And welcome to the Dice is Screaming podcast. Or the, sounds like the dice are really angry. Well, that is growling. Yeah. The, the dice growling. are growling speed podcast. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, what do they really have to growl about? Didn't we growl enough last week? Hmm. Maybe, okay. I think, yeah. Uh, we are but your humble, flickering streetlight of gaming podcasts, you know, with that complete with that little buzz in the background. Uh, we obviously need some repairs, but nobody's just, nobody's getting around to it. I mean, nobody cares. Something's wrong, but we don't care. It's just, <laughs> you know, just on and off. I'm not going to let that stop us. Nope. I'm just going to keep on going. <laughs> so, yay. Welcome. Uh, here it is another week. Uh, a little late on the delivery today, this week, but uh, still keeping going. So Yeah, totally my bad, but uh, oh. super busy week. Oh, yeah. I, I kid you not. I have... I've been like a nine-tailed cat in a room filled with rocking chairs. Um, <laughs> Busier than a one-armed bill poster in a windstorm. Exactly. <laughs> I've experienced the same level of robust success experienced by one-legged men in butt-kicking contests. Yeah, sableism all around. <laughs> all right. Yes. So, yeah. <clears throat> but you get the picture. We we are we are here uh, doing our thing, and we're glad that you guys are keeping up with us. Uh, Heard from Chris Hudson and a couple other folks are starting a podcast of their own. So we're going to jump right in with oh, our um, podcast here quick enough. Uh, we're here talking about 1D&D this week. So that's our topic. Or but before we get into that, we got D&D 1. D&D 1. Yeah, 1 D&D, D&D 1. 1 D&D to rule Working them. title, you know, which I, I like the concept of, like, choosing that as a title. Okay, that that is not... My approval of any material released, you know, that I have, yeah. I have conflicting opinions about a wide variety of things, but in terms of selection of a title, I like the working title. Hmm. Uh, I don't. I have no idea, and you know, very little information to, to work with uh, at this stage. But uh, I, I at least, if, the, if if I'm gonna open with a very positive note, I like the idea for the title one D D or D D one all right but yeah we also have to talk about our star frontiers episode uh, yeah jason, we got a call in yeah jason uh, hey, gave us a call and let us know what he thought about the episode so we're gonna turn it over to him and be right back so stick around hey guys jason here yeah last i looked you could get a bunch of the original star frontiers stuff on pdf i don't know the name of its print on demand but it is on drive through rpg so the original stuff is out there. Um, yeah, it's a good game from the past. I know. I know. Actually, some people in some of the groups I move in are looking to to play it. So that is cool. It's it's still alive out there. Still people playing it, which is great. Um, yeah. But anyhow, looking forward to your next show. Take it easy, and keep up the great work. And thanks a lot, Jason, for that. Yeah, the, but we were pretty happy to cover Star Frontiers finally. We've been a little remiss about that. And uh, <laughs> it's been one of, it's been one, was one of those games that we never got really around to delving into too much until, you know, it's well past its prime. But um, covering its rise and fall is kind of interesting. But um, yeah, also thanks for reminding us about, and the audience about it's available on Drive Through RPG. You can get yeah. copies uh, easily uh, of it for pretty cheap PDFs at least, or print on demand, however you want. 
And you know, like during the the run up for this, like I too learned that uh, there are active groups, you know, and you can yeah, find like it online. Yeah, like the Stars Frontierman uh, yeah. magazine that's been going pretty strong, and they publish a really slick product. I was really impressed. I, that is a great comfort to me because it just tells me that you know there is such reverence for the classic material and for the classic style of gameplay. And that always, like, that gets me right in the feels, man. Yeah, I think, uh, just, uh, just gonna put this out here in a future episode, we need to cover the meta of TSR. Like, how come TSR, like, look at Top Secret, Boot Hill, Game Busters, I mean, that early, I mean, they covered everything and they were quick to get out to it. Now, maybe it wasn't the best start Star Frontiers is at the end of that, but I think like Top Secret... They were much better by the time they got to Star Frontiers, which is why I still would contend that it is a better quality of product than some of their early, uh, like Boot Hill, that first edition. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, aptly named. (laughs) A lot of PCs up on Boot Hill. So, but but hey, let, like, let's, let's, let's look at top, right. top secret. I mean, every how, genre just bam, 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 like clockwork. They were how good it. is top secret even today? I can sit down and pull out the original box set of Star Frontiers and still have a heck of a time. Oh, top secret too. Because uh, you know it's an infinitely least more lethal game than D and D is. Oh boy! Because you have fortune points that your DM roles the administrator <laughs> the administrator roles in secret <laughs> and no agent knows when he'll completely use up his fortune points which are basically like your fate points because you need them no mr bond i expect you to die <laughs> you just might and i'm all out of narrow jackets <laughs> i mean ever since fritz the cat died i, I haven't no. i haven't worn the narrow jacket it didn't you know it doesn't feel right uh, uh, thank goodness i've still got the kimono well, I have to have it pressed because, you know, it's uh, been fluttering a lot. Yeah, I mean, it did a lot of fluttering. It's, it's full of wrinkles. So, so yeah, I will put write that down for a future episode. The TSR meta. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's great hearing from you, Jason. Hope everything's going fine. And, uh, you know, as we get ready to turn the topic, hey, uh, before we do, let's see what's up for our next podcast. Let's consult with the Mercaeomancer. Ah, the Mercaeomancer, looking into swords and knives, blades of every kind, hoping to divine the future. And what does he see looming in our future? Hmm? Well, how appropriate that a Mercaeomancer who divines through blades gazes into the future and sees next week Warhammer fantasy role-playing game. We have spoken of its modules, but we have not spoken of the game itself uh, and of mm. the like structure and like core concepts mm. involved in the game and in the game's verse. Uh, we're going to give it the real treatment and do a like thorough examination of Warhammer Fantasy role-playing game, which at the time it came out, well received by us. Yeah. So we have some experience on this one. This hey, is well, not we should be... probably give a nod to Zwiehan doing a oh. really good homage, homage, and bringing it back to being a, a fully realized game. Well, the folks at Zwiehander, obviously, that's one of those cases where somebody wanted to bring back the old style grimdark uh, that was literally made. When we talk about grimdark fantasy, Warhammer fantasy roleplay is almost the birthplace of that. Okay, the grittiness, the darkness, the grunge, 
uh, the, the sensibilities of that particular game are unique uh, to that time period. Yeah, you know, like, there was nothing else out there like it. There's a few that have like and bless Witcher the guys. and uh, oh, well, you know, those are yeah. many years down the line. But, but yeah, they're far separated from the imp- kind of like, the origin point. Uh, Warhammer Fantasy almost has like that velvet underground status of having been like okay, they were never as famous or as popular as say for instance like the your, Beatles your or Dungeons and Dragons which would be your your Rolling Stones or your Beatles okay these these were the the underdogs but the influence that they have had is like incredibly impressive yeah, very good. far over their weight class you would not read me like if you if you did not play it at the time uh, you wouldn't really know how oddball it was it was a quirky, unusual little game uh, bound in a single book. And I, I definitely approve of that as a gamer who wants as much bang as possible from the gamer buck. Being able to start play with a single book, big plus. So it already had my nod of approval, but I never could have predicted how influential it would be. And that's just one of the things we're going to bring up next week. All right. So there you have it. There's Super proud teaser. of those guys. Yeah, so we'll be covering uh, the original Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. All right, so let's tear into the topic. Let's get right into it, shall we? Let's yeah. talk about D&D 1. Oh. Yeah, so it's been announced and it's made its uh, rounds around the internet. Now, a lot of people have had some various, uh, some time to chew and mull over the various things that have been shown. I mean, there's a lot to take in and a lot we don't know. Much speculation and very little that is actually provable. But what they have shown is definitely that they want to keep alive the 5th edition feel and not alienate or divide the fan base. Yeah, at least in terms of the way they have uh, been managing their press releases regarding this subject, uh, they have been very careful to continually reiterate that this will all be backwards compatible. There is some doubt that this is as backwards compatible as they profess, uh, that there will be some structural, at least some of the things that I have seen have suggested to me that there will be some structural differences that will alter you know, significant portions of the game. From a DM perspective, I don't think it would be hard to make the adjustments though. So there's a certain grain of accuracy there where I, I don't think they're being completely disingenuous when they say this will be backwards compatible. It looks like the rule sets will still mesh handsomely. However, there will be some significant differences that will affect the way in which the game is played uh, or at least the, the rules as written, assuming that the DM does not simply edit things back to the way they like them. So, yeah, there, there will be some substantive differences that I'm not sure are good calls, uh, which I, I think is part of why they're letting this cat out of the bag instead of just dropping it on people a year from now by surprise. Uh, this gives them some window period to tweak mm-hmm. and fine-tune, and I appreciate the sentiment. Well, I think that it's only appropriate that when you address a game that has been this pervasive and this culturally 
influential. I mean, it literally has spawned so many subdivisions of cosplay, of gaming podcasts, and also live... (laughs) Guilty. And of uh, live streaming that... Yeah, they, it, it literally is the goose who laid the golden eggs. They would be stupid if they killed it. Yeah. Now, but let's be real. There's going to be some changes, and not all of it's going to be popular. And I think not all of it should be necessarily set into the hands of the game designers, which is why I think they're taking the time to do a thorough playtest. Now, you can look back to, like, the first, uh, or the second edition, real first edition break from the original AD&D game before it was 1E. Yeah, there was AD&D and that was it. So, when uh, TSR at the time proposed that they were going to do a second edition, there was a lot of squawking. But if you really look at it, there's very little that changed. Well, yeah, but... I mean, domains opened up for clerics that changed. Made each cleric's uh, religion and pantheon unique. Their spell choices and selections became much more diverse. Yeah, there was also a, a change in how um, some of the combat options worked. You no longer had weapon speeds. You, you could still use them, of course, but it didn't really in affect anything as much as it used to. Obviously, you could make the argument that a two-handed sword was uh, slower than a dagger, but you know that, like, where you could almost get three attacks depending on the initiative roll with a dagger before you could even get one swing of a uh, two-handed sword. That was gone. So there was some small procedural differences that only if you were in the highest realms of the of the rules mongering of first edition AD&D versus second edition you might have noticed. But a lot of people didn't. Uh, I think the Die 10 initiative... Yeah, the great curve of like edition alterations has moved towards the streamlining the speed of play. Right. And I think that uh, second edition showed that there was really, you could play all the first edition stuff literally with no problem. Yeah, that was not a hard change. Uh, adjusting uh, third slash three point five, on the other hand, uh, was substantively more. Oh well, yeah. Now you from second edition yeah. to third edition, there is a real big change. There was a lot of procedural changes in that one. And I don't think we're headed for that one. I think you're probably no, headed I... more for a second edition. But I think, like you said, uh, it already shows that they're introducing some ideas. And hey, let's be honest: when they first start with second edition. They were only going to come out with the base classes. Oh, yeah. You know, just fighter, magic user, uh, thief. That was one of the things that did not make it through the final Yeah, they're going to get rid of the ranger and uh, paladin and just make them uh, come out as uh, kit options or background choices in the later uh, spy books. That was the original idea. That was not a well-received notion at the time. And, of course... Like, here's a noteworthy thing that, like, hopefully if, if somebody uh, over, like, Wizard's Way uh, happens to hear this, you know, uh, take some take some notes on that. Uh, it was one of those cases where the initial reaction to that announcement was so terrible, they went, eh, maybe that's not a good idea, let's not do that. So, you know, they were not, as a game publisher, they were not completely tone deaf. Uh, in their preparation of a new edition. So I, I really hope the folks at Wizards are paying close attention to this. Because so Yeah, far, I think player feedback think is one Player of feedback easy. has been pretty negative on this so far, which is like, oh, God, you just want to sell more books. I appreciate that 
like from a corporate perspective, you do want to sell more books. Like that's what they exist for. Okay, they sell books. <laughs> right. Uh, and you know that's that's actually their job. It's what they do. Uh, however, I would rather like honestly, if you don't mind me being super candid for a moment, I'm, I'm not anti new edition per se, except that at this moment they're enjoying a level of relevance and popularity is unheard of in history. And I mean, what you said about the, the goose that laid the golden egg, they have it. And I got to wonder is, you know, if you're tinkering around inside it, like trying to figure out what makes the goose work until you kill it, and mm -hmm. then you don't have the goose or the golden eggs anymore, you may have made a critical error. Like you may have made a critical error in yeah, your this, judgment. This is a rolling a one moment. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to see a set of compendiums, maybe some rules addendum changes, things like that, but a, a series of compendiums that combine relevant and similar material from all of the various modules and all of the various uh, releases that have been done so far, because there are quite a few. And it can be very challenging uh, for, like, especially the more recent Dungeon Masters, to maintain that material and consult like six or eight different books or bring up like seven or eight different PDFs in the course of one game. Making streamlined editions that have all the additional material taken into consideration, I think that would be a huge hit. I mean, in terms of convenience and like having the rules like right at your fingertips, uh, you know, we're gamers, we love books. Uh, and man, I mean, these would be some beefy tomes. Uh, you know, a set of those, I think, would be welcomed as a reference material for every DM out there working right now. Whereas what we're doing now, instead of actually, you know, the, the, the talk of D&D 1 is really, no matter how you phrase it, it's still talk of a new edition. Uh, Mm. And I, I think that the marketplace would be really hostile to reissuing whole piles of old material in the new edition format, uh, as opposed to doing something that has not been done before and would be more convenient for players. Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, how about you put off the new edition per se concept for a while? and just get the house in order so that the enormous throng of people making use of 5e right now have more stuff easily at their fingertips. All right. Well, that, then that, let me challenge me. you on that. I, okay. I, wanna, I think you make a... What about Tosh's Cauldron and Warden Keenan's and Fizban's guides? And you know, some people Keenan. are pretty upset about those. Uh, okay. I don't understand why. I thought they were pretty useful texts. Uh, but... When I say folding compendiums, I mean like a rule set that takes the alterations made in those books, uh, the tips and tricks and alternates and additional spells. If you could make a magical compendium, you know, like this is Mike's imagination here. Okay. Right? So I'm going to acknowledge that. This is in, in Mike's feverish brain. Um, oh boy. <laughs> this, this whiskey addled Swiss cheese like a mess, I call a skull. Uh, if you can imagine a, you know, compendium magica, 
uh-huh. uh, which would then have uh, pretty much all of the side material from multiple, multiple source books. Uh, all of the stuff that was magically related in one. And then like the, the bestiary companion that has all the additional bestiary. And then the alternate the player races yeah, companion. Okay. Right. I, like, and honestly, if you break it down right, you could make quite the stack of like five or six large compendium level additions uh, going at the usual price of around $49.99 a pop that people might actually want. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're talking about selling like 300 okay. bucks worth of books to people who already have the game. And you know what? I don't think they'd fight you off. Uh, I think they would actually go, all right, uh, yeah, I'm in. It would be an easier reference volume than like me going back to like six different books to acquire information on one subject. Mm. That's what I want. I mean, it, like, if you were to ask, if I were polled and asked, hey, what would you like uh, out of... Oh, I mean, Wizards. if you're the if Wizards of the Coast SWAT team, black hooded you out of your house, <laughs> dragged you all the way to Washington. Their State, secret site. And, uh, you know, under bright lights and uh, duct tape, tied you to a chair uh, and asked you. That, that would be your main thing that would Yeah, come if out. they trapped me in a room and, like, made me listen to Justin Bieber for 12 hours, this is the confession I would scream. Okay. Like, oh, God, I would give anything if I could just please have. Couldn't I please have a compendium edition so that I don't have to go back and forth between six different manuals? <laughs> I did it. I did it. I said it. It's true. Yeah, yeah. That is the confession okay. I would give them under those circumstances. I guess that uh, taking the role of the interrogator in this, um, I'd say that a lot of people also would say make the point that you're just selling back the same material to your customer base with yeah. that. It and is. I'm not going to... Right, not right. Going to and I think that. that that's, you know... this. Not, is, but it's less disingenuous <clears throat> to offer something that is convenient uh, but familiar <clears throat> than it is to profess that you are offering something new, which is merely a rehash of material that you have already released, except that you have structurally altered several rules that invalidated the original material, and then you re-release it, edit it through the new edition. Oh my gosh, that is extremely disingenuous. And it's a possibility. We've been through it before. Mm -hmm. It's not cool. Uh -huh. Well, I think we're in the, the unenviable position that, that as rules get added in, it inevitably bloats the game. Yeah, we've so, talked about addition wars and addition hate. I don't want to indulge in that. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm, not, think... I'm talking about what I want and what I love rather than coming from an, uh, a place of, like, there should never be a new edition. No, 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 no. I think there should. Maybe not just yet, though. You know, you think you know, it's still too soon. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, give it another five years. See, I think off. a lot of the complaints come from that no matter what Wizards decides to do, there will always be a segment that will say uh, they should redefine, recodify the rules. Uh, maybe, like you said, a compendium is a fair compromise between that. Yeah, with a couple types. of structural alterations included uh, that you think would be appropriate for the, the game's current incarnation. I'm not really opposed to some rule changes. Uh, you know, like some of the changes on available backgrounds or available character types. Eh, a little iffier on those. I, mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, uh, limiting options for whatever reason is never a thing that goes over well with me. I, I do want to rebut something, though. Okay. Um, before we get close to break time. 
I, I want to rebut. I, I had heard people complaining about the one is a failure, 20 is a success kind of mentality. Okay. And then why have difficulty numbers beyond or below you know, certain points if like anything is possible as long as the dice say it is. Uh, I feel like these are people being almost ludicrously literal uh, without the context of understanding that a DM's job is to determine what merits having a dice roll in the first place. The obstacle in the path of the player, like if a player says, for example, if I roll a 20, then doesn't that mean that my character can just flap his arms and fly to the moon? No, it doesn't. It never did. And in no edition, not D&D 1 or any other, in no edition will that ever be possible. It is the dungeon master's responsibility, their intrinsic duty to say, look, I will permit you to have your character flap their arms and you can still roll a dice if it makes you feel good. But the dice that I will be rolling will only be to determine what number of townsfolk laugh at you and call you an idiot and point at you uh, for doing that because you're not going to fly to the moon no matter what you roll. Mm. Uh, and that is, you know, I, I hate to give the hard work to the haters, uh, the, like the people who <clears throat> want to do these little panic memes online, mm -hmm. but that is how stupid you people sound. You know, the, the idiotic notion that well, if that's the rules is written, then it's just going to be anybody could do anything. They're gonna a guy could do a standing broad jump across the Grand Canyon. No, absolutely not. Exercise your DM prerogative. Well, the rule, if you just and, interpret yeah. the rules correctly, correctly, yeah. you would have no problem with that. But yeah, a twenty so, just means a success, and there's a number of ways that can be interpreted. It can mean that you just grab the ledge at the last second before falling. You're just five feet out. Was a, you underestimated the length of the jump? There's interpretive tools, but I think this comes back to a very important point that I'd like to focus on is this is where the old school blood shows. We are used to making rulings mm -hmm. versus rules. And then sometimes it leads to a little bit of discrepancy and some raised hackles and hot and uh, raised voices. There, there are tears and recriminations involved. But I think that most of the time, if we had a rule, we followed the rule. And if there was an open interpretation, we followed the ruling. And when people say, well, you just didn't have any rules back then. <clears throat> I'd show you the DM's guide. Come on, dude. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a superfluity of rules. Uh, we the had combat rules alone used to, you know, I could show Mike something and he'd fucking throw a bottle at me. You're <laughs> right, but I hate it. He pointed out. But, you know, I also a lot of times just bent up the other way and like, hey, that's your, that's how it goes, man. Let it go. Oh, Very yeah. Fair. So and, and yeah, there was once, some give we, and take, but we rules lawyer. We did we like games? having a better, more structured rules that was second edition, and with third edition, we got. A, I think it started like if this is the way the rules read, the DM must follow them, and I think for the most part, that's a fair assessment. And oh yeah, it's, like it's, look at it's the... a reasonable expectation. However, at the same time, absurdity is never a part of that. It's not a suicide pact. It's not a straitjacket. And the dungeon master is there to make a ruling at the point in time to determine the rate of success and failure. Just because a die roll says that you do this thing, well, sure, the DM's obligated to honor a really good die roll, but it doesn't mean you can do the impossible. So I, I agree with you that that's a, a level of absurdity there yeah. that just... This ties into my discontent with fourth edition. I mean, as long as we're on, like, edition changes as a topic. <laughs> Uh, like the attempt to remove the dungeon master from the role of importance. Uh, you're like, this is the onerous task that makes dungeon mastering tough. 
And I understand why they would want to move people away from that because so few people enjoyed the difficult parts. Uh, I get why they would want to try that, but again, as I have said on the subject of fourth edition in the past, something wonderful gets lost in translation when you take that process out of the mix. Yeah. That uh, the concept of a dungeon master, uh, you remove it, and a little something special goes away. And you know, it, it's like, well, it used to be Peter Pan and like the little magic dust, and it flew and. You know, and now it's just some kid living in England. You know, it's just finally going to grow old and, you know, grow up. Uh, I hope it was worth it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the magic disappears. So I, I did not approve of that. But uh, it's, it's a valid concern. But yeah, I think we're both on the same footing when it comes to, like, the, the DM has to exercise their creative control uh, and their understanding of how the world works. It, it's fun to say yes and let people do whatever they want. But I think what we learn here is it's not that the rules as written encourage that. It's that if as a dungeon master, you have like disavowed your own task and said like, no, no, I'm not going to put the brakes on anything. Then you get what you deserve. Okay. Yeah. You will get the silliness that you expect if you absolutely refuse to hold the wheel. Like the bus is going off the cliff, and uh, like the uh, the bowling team that was that was on board is going to the bottom of the gorge. That's just how things are going to go. Uh, not pretty, but that's the way it works. Uh, the the hardest component job in a game of D and D is the task of the DM. Yeah, and making those rulings is never easy, especially when you have to look at players like, well, I rolled a 20. Okay, you still fail. I don't understand. How did I fail? Well, you can do everything right and still not succeed. Yeah, I fired a longbow with a range of, like, uh, a, a maximum range of, uh, you know, a, a thousand yards. Uh, you know, English longbow. Sure. Uh, I've got this incredible range. And I've added all the bonuses, and I rolled a nat 20, but the enemy is 2,000 feet away. Well, my answer to you is it doesn't matter what you roll. You might as well keep the dice to yourself. They're too far. You're never, ever going to hit them, unless they are 1,000 yards closer. <laughs> you know, if, if it's not possible, it's not possible. Get over it. Rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, and I think player engagement has <laughs> always been rolling the dice themselves and having that kind of feeling that they're they're doing something rather than just waiting for the narration to come around to them. Yeah, I do want to encourage people to act. Yeah. But, I, you know, like, I don't want to discourage them from taking action. But I think we're getting a little off in the weeds when we start exploring those because we're not talking about the new edition. We're talking about some of the complex issues that are involved in... We're lost a little bit in the meta and uh, fine enough, but... Yeah, steer back in. I mean, this is what we don't know a whole lot. There's a lot of things they propose, and I think that there is a good reason to pose that there's going to be some radical changes. Is to see how people react. Oh, and absolutely. as long as they're taking the feedback seriously, I think we're okay. I think that. Uh, oh, when we pick it up in the second half, let's talk about some of the stuff that uh, you know that are proposed. And remember, they are just proposals. We don't want to treat them like, oh, this is the done deal. This is totally happening. Yeah, nothing here is the done yeah. deal. These are just, yeah. they're just, let's, let's stress that. a little bit. All right, so we're going to take a break and be 
right back. So stick around. All right, we're back. So hey, back from break. Hope you enjoyed what we're talking about so far. So yeah, we were uh, chatting about D and D one and uh, some of the things that have been speculated upon, but uh, we don't know a whole lot. But what do we know? What do? <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe you're referencing that sketch. Yeah. <laughs> what what do we I... really know about D and D one? Was that Monty Python? No, did that, that was, who was um, that? TV Funhouse. TV Funhouse. What does science really know? <laughs> there is a distinct likelihood that water may be wet. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the truth is, we know absolutely nothing. Okay, we know nothing about what yeah, D1 will be comprised of. They threw out a collection of things that they think might be good potential edits, and they like hurled the chum into the water uh, to let the internet <laughs> find analogy. out. Uh, and believe me, they are paying attention. Okay, this this is not an accidental move. This was not like, you know, they've linked this to the press. The gamers are furious. Oh, you know, bury the evidence. Kill all the witnesses. <laughs> Burn the files. Get to the helicopter. Uh, that is not how this is going down. They did this on purpose and they're watching. So, I mean, rather than, like, engaging in kind of pointless dramatics and outrage and fury and all of that, uh, you know, uh, instead of the filth and the fury, you know, creative commentary uh, right now would be more important than ever. Mm. Showing up and saying, hey, look, here's what we are looking for. Okay, we, like, if, if you can define what it is that you do want, get out there and put it out there for them. Because... Uh, that's what this was about. This this data dump uh, of data dump. Ideas. Yeah, yeah, that is a good way to put it. Yeah, you just throw out a bunch of here's some ideas we had, and you know most of the people reject ninety percent of them. Okay, ten percent seem to be pretty solid winners. Okay, that's a good. Yeah, piece there were some time. tidbits in there I did not uh, I did not feel discontented with at all. Right. I mean, my overarching stance is that it may yet be too early for a new edition. Not because I'm edition resistant, but because I honestly feel like you're enjoying a golden age. I mean, fifth edition is riding high. Well, well I think we keep cycling back to that. So you, let's... you don't want to like. I mean, you're on the the big sur wave. Okay, you're you're surfing mm -hmm. in the pipeline. Uh, and look, we all know it's going to crash eventually. There's an exception, or uh, sorry, there's an acceptance that that's the way it goes. You know, no wave lasts forever. It is going to come to a close. This chapter will end and another chapter will begin. I approve of the process, but right now, I mean, dude, you're in the pipeline. It is awesome. You know, you are just shredding it. Now is not the time to just go into the reef. Bust the board. Well, I think... Maybe not now. Well, all right. So we keep coming back to this point, and I, I think that one of the ways to look at this is that if you say there's an inevitability to the process of rise and decline, isn't it better to get ahead of it and prepare for that decline ahead of time without 
diminishing enjoyment. I mean, you have over a year, and if it's going to be backwards compatible, I think that the challenge that Wizards is faced with, and what ultimately this comes down to, is how seamless this can be done. And I think that that is something that they need to be very cognizant of. And I think, I'll, and again, this is just wild speculation. No, they're going to play their cards close to the chest for reasons that I can only interpret as proprietary. Um, I can see no reason to be closed mouth about this. I was very upset about when second edition was first proclaimed, uh, announced, and uh, before we got that big flyer that you know, calm your mittens everybody it's not as bad as you think and then you were like yeah it's not that bad and uh yeah there were some things like the removal of demons and devils and assassins at the core of the game sure but i still had first edition so who really cared in the long run pg you know just oh god but if they do it right and learn from the lessons of the past they may be able to not just like okay here's a new edition use just some new stuff buy or crap it can be something that actually keeps that wave going much longer rather than let's hit that anticipated crash. The inevitable crash more than anticipated. You can anticipate it happening, but when it actually happens can be very quick and it's there's no real measure to go by because we're really in uncharted waters. And I hate to use that word so much, but this one really applies. Yeah. This is unprecedented time in gaming where, like you said, a luxury entertainment yeah, a product that is like this, a, a non-video game, uh, like entertainment product, uh, you know, a non-visual medium, you know, it's, it's not a movie franchise, it's it's just a series of books that let you play a game in your head with a bunch of friends. Um, to have reached a, a place where it has this much reach and impact and influence it's a little daunting mm. to me. I mean, I have a little trouble wrapping my head around it, but the fact that that environment has never really existed to this extent uh, makes me very wary of tampering with it, because how do I put it? I have been almost deliriously happy with everything except the initial clumsy uh, outing of mm. D&Ds, or like a fifth edition's primary manuals. I felt that, that was handled uh, with poor timing and like they were very unready, a uh, little unsteady on their pins. But once they got the sea legs under them, they proceeded to follow up, deliver a lot of good material, uh, a lot of entertaining, playable material. And I've been in a really happy place watching this like transformative level of popularity, uh, both in other mediums, <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of the game being referenced continually, uh, and in watching the actual popularity of the edition itself. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty it. happy to see D&D being treated as something other than comedy material. Yeah, I mean, it, it used to be... You, you know, know, in the Big Bang, everybody punch said, line. oh, look at... Yeah, yeah it's, it's a joke. Okay, I get it. Ha ha, it's funny. But uh, I've noticed that, that with it has come, as some people claim, there's... You know, there's love, there's reverence for it. You know, okay, the community showed me that that's really not the case. But take it as you want. I think that Critical Role and others have shown that it can be used for more than just mining a few cheap jokes and shots at nerd culture. And I also think that going out on a limb here, I think that the, the transparency that I was talking about... Yeah, I just needs- saw his flinch because I, I 
<laughs> you recognize the expression I was making where I almost had something on the tip of my tongue. Oh, for going. <laughs> but wait, we're not supposed to make fun of nerd culture? <laughs> I've been self-mocking for years. You're like, I've never taken myself that seriously. Well, so. we don't either, but... <laughs> taking cheap shots hey, you is know, literally... Taking cheap like, shots is what we're made of. That's know? all I've got. of our comedy material. But I'm not good enough to make expensive shots. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, get back to the point here. <laughs> nice derail. Yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. I couldn't even hold it in. I was just... You saw the warnings flash, like, across my face. Like, that little quirky smile. Like, <laughs> I gotta fuck with this. <laughs> well, okay, fine. You know what? Yeah, I'm all right, mess. fine. Here's a, here's a blast back at you. Here, I'm turning all the turrets. Take uh, nine 16 inches right up the backside here. Um, yeah, it's fun to punch down. It oh, is. Yeah. And nerds, you know, they oh, deserve Lord a lot knows. of it. We gonna... have so many quirks and so many foibles that, I, like, we laugh at ourselves, uh, even though we're laughed at by others. Because... If we have any clear sightedness at all, we know how silly we are. Right, but we also if we can make the joke first before the others do, takes we take sting. it away. It takes it away from them, and I think that's the important part that we would like to make about how that, like, yeah, there's some fine points about nerd culture that are great to make comedy of, but that's up. Leave that to us. I don't like other people doing that and just using it in a mocking tone. We do enough self mockery for the two of us so I think that there's a plenty of there's plenty of reverence to be had when it's appropriate and there's plenty of room for mockery both but I think that the fact is that it's mostly mockery and very little reverence is the point I would side with on that one but that it's achieved a the D&D has given a, a level of achievement in pop culture that it's never had before it's always held a place of prominence but it's always been a guarded one, one when it is kind of you're careful about who you talk about to because, well, some of those memes were like me trying to explain my D&D campaign to my girlfriend, you know, where the guy's literally with a megaphone shouting in a, another person's ear. Yeah. It can be like that. It can be very awkward because you gush. And it's after you look at it, oh, wow, that's really cringy me to just gush like that. But some people get it that that's called passion and enthusiasm. And it is cringeworthy as it is, it's easy to mine for comedy and take cheap shots at. And that's where we're at. We mine it for the low-hanging fruit because we're lazy. <laughs> and oh, it, man. You know, like, I don't want to bring the ladder over to like go for that high yes, stuff. Just uh, <laughs> laying on the ground. I mean, there's some that I won't even touch, but like they're few and Yeah, there is me. some that you just laying on the ground I don't even feel like bending over. Yeah, it's not uh, just not worth it. It's not... Uh, even if it's easy, uh, it's still not worth it, but... But I think that Wizards has a challenge in front of them. And I think that my expectation is is that if they can thread that very fine needle to knit a what is essentially a new edition seamlessly with the old material. If they pull it off, and I admit to being suspicious that it cannot be done, or at least like the, the, the current people operating right. at Wizards probably don't have the wherewithal to pull something off this amazing if it could be done I would be incredibly impressed well Call of Cthulhu Chaosium has successfully made seven editions and each one is just as backwards compatible uh, I freely admit that it can be done uh, the question is during the design process uh, you know will they 
take the extra steps to make sure that like much of the pre-existing material is still compatible and will not have to be like people don't have to like oh man like I've got 17 additional books like 17 different forms of material and I need all 17 of them again you know just well, right there in the bookshelf that. behind us here, we got the Call of Cthulhu 7th edition. No. And the Call of Cthulhu, Cthulhu 40th anniversary. D&D doesn't have a great track record. No, he doesn't. It, 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 no, it doesn't. And it, I would like to make that comparison. Is that Other than the resistance table, I think um, Call of Cthulhu has pretty much remained pretty much the same game. Basic role-playing system with... You're just gonna die from either insanity or getting eaten by monsters. So well, you pick. Yeah, get, even if the insanity doesn't kill you, you will be rendered useless as a player character by the fact that you, you know, uh, you drool a lot and you shouldn't be left alone with sharp things. The king in yellow. <laughs> he looms. Oh. Yeah. Darkness is calling. So I think that that that's the uh, uncertainty. <laughs> Yeah, just is is just as much as certainty a, a bugbear that we just can't shake. Yeah, there's again back to the overarching disclaimer. There is so much we do not know. Nothing is written in stone. This is the period where people may have some influence over what happens. So uh, you know, rather than hysterical, you're know, like, oh, I quit. You know, I'm taking my toys and going home. Like now is not really the time for that. Okay, when the product hits the shelves and you see what happens, uh, you know, only be ashamed if you had no part in this whatsoever. If, if you're, if you made no attempt whatsoever to address uh, wizards in some kind of creative, constructive way, I mean, if all you do is howl insults and make insulting memes, they're not going to take you seriously. That's not serious critique. That's not game design. Yeah, I that's think not you'll game. echo, but that's not you know, creative theory, you're not... You're cries from the attic, right? Yeah, you're not generating anything that they can work with, just like this flow of general negativity. And I'll be blunt, you know, like, there's a good reason why a lot of companies don't take that stuff seriously. Because if you listen to that all the time, you'll never get anything done. Sooner or later... Yeah, you'll trash a $90 million movie before it even gets out. <laughs> Batgirl. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, corporate culture is awkward and they're hypersensitive but i'm going to say this about fifth edition for all you old schoolers out there fifth edition will one day be somebody's old school game yeah it's going to happen okay I'll take it the people are going to look back and oh. i really like playing fifth edition remember when we first played first D and it was fifth edition yeah it was so cool and, you know, that's going to be the retro. Oh, man, look what I found in my uncle's closet, like, from, like, 35 years ago. These are original 5th edition manuals. Oh, yeah, 5th edition was so cool. A, let's run, like, an authentic old-school game. And, like, of course, we'll be... Uh, if they hook up a generator to my casket, uh, <laughs> my spinning in my grave will power Battle Creek for free. <laughs> <laughs> Hear that hum in the distance? That's my cannon. Does <laughs> <laughs> the Battle Creek Cemetery smell like nicotine? Oh, well. Smells like a burnt cigarette in here. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Well, we've run this product <laughs> to death. We've come full circle several times. In the yeah, yeah. We, we've, we've hit a couple of the same notes uh, again. But uh, 
you know, I guess the, the precautionary word would be like, don't take too much too seriously. Uh, yeah. Relax. Uh, and then think about like, how can you can creatively add to this process? Uh, yeah. and address Maybe there are some things that need to be changed and addressed. Yeah. I mean, if you can think of something from fifth edition that uh, you feel is a clumsy or awkward rule, yeah, now's the time to throw that to the folks at Wizards because, I mean, they're kind of looking for that feedback. And yeah. you can tell. And I approve of that receptiveness. I want to encourage it and I want it to continue. I don't want it to be such an experience that, oh man, we opened the door, we opened the gate the teensiest little bit and they flung poop at us. <laughs> I don't want to talk to the peoples anymore. Gonna hide. You know, just, yeah, don't, don't be like, uh, Oh, what was it? Uh, um, the band Sweets experience in a couple of gigs in Scotland. <laughs> he just, you know, chased off with a rain of beer bottles. Uh, no, don't do that to them. You know, if you close the dialogue, you know, that's it. They're, you know, it's going to go poorly. All right. Well, I think it's time to move over to our ooh, a segment of our RPG Coffee Corner. Yeah, you know, we've kind of moved Let's on from back. the days of the Arcane Eye, just bullying people into looking at things or forcing your gaze to be focused on topics. Yeah, it was so uncomforting. You know, yeah. just didn't, I, I never felt safe. I, I never felt like the Arcane Eye respected me as a person. Do you, do you feel like something was watching you? Yes, I did. That, I still do, actually. Uh, you know, like every once in a while, you know, like out of the corner of my eye, you know, I feel like something off in the periphery was staring at me, but. Uh, nope, I'm happy here at the little cafe. Yeah, it's nice and cozy here. So we like to look at uh, new games, and we're going to turn our gaze to uh, another Kickstarter that's taking place. And yeah, I know, we talk a lot about Kickstarters here. But that's because there's a lot of great ideas that are being brought forth. And here's one. Well, when you talk new, when you talk innovation, creativity, uh, you know, like products that may not have been recognized yet, you almost instinctively have to turn to the, like, venues and mediums uh, that purvey as yet undeveloped product, uh, which we hope will be developed. And this is one of those. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, D20 Delving Board Game by Wizard Tower Games. Now the premise here, you may say, well, hey, I've heard this before. Yeah, you have a party of adventurers that you equip. It's a game designed primarily four nights when you or your dungeon master or one of your key players you're fighting the big boss monster that night and one of your players just can't make it and you don't want to leave them behind here's a game that you can pull out and just play and you know it's got a lot of unique features it's got some very uh, iconic characters like the valkyrie warrior the northman rogue and on yeah six different uh you know primary <coughs> sorcerer characters and so you can pretty much get everybody on uh, point and play, have a good game, and no, none of the games go the same way twice. And that's a pretty good mechanic. And what gear you decide to bring with you, and what I mean, that's classic board game gear yeah. right there. However, you know this has the quirk of uh, you know, like the preparations that people make uh, will have an impact on their gameplay later. So yeah, and what is unique about this is that it also has a QR code on each one of the cards that has Tim Cask narrating. And I'm not aware of any other game that has done it. And I may be wrong, and probably, you know, all I have to do is just, hey, here's a rock. And somebody will post, I'll post a picture of a rock and somebody will tell me it's a stone. But 
I am not aware of this happening with any other board game. That and it's oh. a unique feature that Tim Cask is narrating a lot of the flavor text and conditions that as you draw the cards. Exactly. Now, uh, the other benefit of this is in terms of uh, people who may have compromised eyesight or vision, uh, and like this would normally uh, interfere with their like in level of enjoyment or participation. Uh, you know, this is narrated flavor text. Uh, just you know, scan QR code and then like let them listen to Tim Cask, which I feel like is already kind of a win right there. I mean, that was that is a huge step forward uh, for Wizard Tower Games uh, to yeah. have like gotten Tim Cask on board. Which yeah, is and great. Uh, we also want to give a shout out to Don Samara. He's here in Battle Creek, and he is yeah. Full disclosure, it's a fellow Battle Creek alumnus here. Yeah, and it's, it's well. There's 12 days to go, and they need about 17,000. Now, about for 70 bucks, you can get a copy of this game in your hands, which will be off that. But, you know, they're a little behind in the funding, but that's, you know, typical with Kickstarter. It can go at any way at any time. Yeah, you don't really know. I mean, sometimes, uh, like, as something moves up, like a, the timer is ticking close to the end, and it, like, people click those, uh, like, what's, what's ending today? You know that that has some influence. You know, like there should, can be some big turnarounds, uh, but we definitely want to support this endeavor because, for starters, it just looks great. Yeah, uh, and some of the cards are goes over and above what could is the expectation. Yeah, we should mention that Wizard Tower Games has made games before. This is not like you know crazy unknown person who has never done this before. Right, suddenly decides to do this. No, this, once again, like so many of the people that we take time to mention, uh, our due diligence has indicated that, yes, they can actually complete this project and make this product happen. And that's another big point to bring here, is that this is all made right here in the U.S. of A., and where that's just not some flag waving, that means that you don't have to wait for a slow boat from China for this one. This will, if it hits its goals, will be ready to go in November, which makes it the perfect Christmas gift. Yeah, the pre-work the you know uh, schematics and stuff like that uh, that part's done yeah it's all ready ready to go go. need the funding to get it uh, printed and like have it in the press and like have the the copies and the boxes put together and boom Uh, and yeah that is all u.s based so hey you know if that tickles your fancy yeah no long six to eight month wait with some uncertainty littered within you know, there could be, you know, a number of factors that add to that wait time. Like not even a six to eight week wait, you know, with the, like, <laughs> uh, got to have it, uh, you know, floated across on a boat, uh, <laughs> waiting for it to unload. Yeah, this will ship in November. November. So, yeah, pretty lightning quick. I, I feel like it's in a pretty good place. Uh, so if so, you haven't seen it, yeah, check it out. It is definitely well worth it. It looks gorgeous. And, yeah, if you've said, I've got a game like this before, well... Here's something with a new twist, and that's what I really respect. It's just not a novelty. This could be a whole new way to open up and convince people to do board games that have... I have seen elements that have media components. Right. And I just have not seen, like, uh, individual narration uh, of this type ever done before. Uh, Yeah, we've had, like, choose-your-own-adventures on CD where you go to this track or that track sort of thing, but... Yeah, this could be a this could be a novel approach to really uh, meld the two together, and I think that yeah, you know, having a smartphone to, with the QR reader 
to go ahead and or it's a bit of a novelty you know a, bit of, a little bit of a chore but i think the effort is well paid off if, you, if it works out well and so we'll have to remain to be seen but here's one of the kickstarters you need to look at and support and if you got uh, an idea for a christmas gift for one of your gamer friends this is a good way to get something really unique and novel in their hands that just isn't out there i'm such a spoil sport i mean normally when uh, i see qr codes and popular like smartphone culture stuff i there's just some little part of me that is a horrible person that wants to rain on everybody's parade. I would love to design a QR code that goes very quickly and, and with no delay to causing your phone to make a really inordinately loud fart noise. Then you put that QR code in like little store windows and people think, ooh, this must be for a shopping discount. I would do that, but I'm a terrible person, so I should not you be. Are, I shouldn't be encouraged. You're all right. uh, But is it me and the kimono just deserve to be locked up together? <laughs> well, either way, we hope you enjoyed our talk about D and D one, what the future holds, and some of the things that are uh, causing a lot of stress in people. But uh, hey, just relax. This is going to totally happen. I, you know, be a part of what it becomes, not a reason that it happened without you. Okay, you know, I, I'm a big fan of engagement that, you know, it may turn out to be something that you're not particularly thrilled with and you may stick with 5e. Uh, you may do what we ultimately did when 4th happened. Uh, and I would hate to see that rift happen again, but I do like uh, the incredible importance that old school gaming brought to life uh, and made, you know, I mean... It, I don't want to see another 4th edition moment. I think 5th edition did a well at straddling all the editions. It stitched a little bit of each one together. And yeah. I think it came closer to the you know core concept than 4th had. You know, it, it brought back some of the uh, the feel of a classic gameplay moment. I was going to use a WoW analogy Ooh. many times, but uh, I remember every time a patch note was released, there was bleeding and squealing, mostly from Hunter players, because... <laughs> Who gives a goblin's tail? What a hunter thinks. But oh, I'm losing some of my overpowered abilities again. Oh, don't worry. They'll boost you up, honey. Um, I can't auto-kill everybody from a safe distance anymore. Oh, I might actually lose a hit point. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> and you would hear, like, for, you know, like, they would announce, like, six months from now, we're, we're doing a... We'll be doing a... Uh, the, the patch will be live, but uh, we're going to do up until then. We're, uh, the beta will be open for uh, certain, or the alpha will be open for certain players, and then the beta will be open in a couple months, and then you can play it. And then people are like, hey, it's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it's not really that bad. Hey, actually, hey, I, I, I kind of like this now. And then you would, yeah, you would you would get over it, and yeah, then, you know, then they would uh, put it live, and then the server would crash, and you couldn't play uh, a raid solidly for a couple of days. So. I remember when they nerfed the Ice Mage. Yeah, that uh, that did not go. Over hey, well. I don't talk about those days. <laughs> Some sore memories there still linger. <coughs> but yeah, but after you get through it and the process, the the worst part is the wait and the uncertainty. And so, kind of moving through that, I kind of think that there's a good way to look at this. Is like like Mike says, focus on making your voice heard in a positive manner rather than just one that's a, just an angry screeching tone. Yeah, if you've made it clear that you're going to be 
you're motivated entirely by hatred uh, from the get-go. There's nothing they can do to police you, and they're just going to, like, cut that loose. Like, all right, there's no pleasing that person. We'll go over here and listen to these other people. Uh, be the creative, thoughtful voice in the room, and you will get noticed. You will get paid some attention. Uh, you, you know, may have a constructive part in the process. Uh, but I guarantee you, uh, the hysterics will get you, like, literally written off as a lost cause. All right. Well, I think that winds it up for us. We'll put a yeah. ball on it and call it done. So, hey, we like that. Uh, if you like what you hear here, you consider being a supporter. That supporter is open. And uh, I am a know, flying buttress of support. <laughs> you're a flying something. Uh, anyway, <laughs> if you like what we do here, you want to support us, you can do that. You can also download that dang old anchor app. And of course, add us to your follows and uh, you know get the updates as it come alive you can also follow us on our facebook page too because we have a nice little uh, community growing there so make sure you follow us there dice are screaming facebook page as well as just uh hanging out and giving us those likes and shares whenever you can to let other people know about the stream thanks for everybody who's been doing it but until next time that'll do it for us so may, may the, the dice, dice always roll in your favor we're out see ya <laughs>